This podcast is brought to you by MyScoreIQ. MyScoreIQ services are here to help you be prepared when it comes to making big financial decisions, such as buying or refinancing your home or purchasing that new car. Try it out for only $1 for a seven-day trial. You'll receive your FICO scores from all three major credit bureaus, along with active credit report monitoring and alerts for changes to your credit report and possible suspicious activity. My Score IQ services can help you be in the best position possible when you take that step to apply for a home or auto loan, all for $1 for a seven-day trial. Visit MyScoreIQ.com forward slash Todd to learn more. That's MyScoreIQ.com forward slash Todd. All right, Coinbase time. You ready? Yeah, let's let's take a look at Coinbase and see what we say. Let's do it. This should be this should be a fun one. All right. This is a little hard to read here. Let's zoom in a little. All right. So and again, listeners, we're pulling the what we're doing is pulling up just the press releases. We're going to the investor relations website of the of the companies, uh, pulling up their their press releases and just going through it. And again, we're just doing it for the first time. We're just looking through it to see what we see and see what jumps out at us. Um, and one thing wow. that jumps out to me there, Joe, is uh, Coinbase's verified users. That's, that's, there's a lot jumping out here to me. 56 million My verified goodness. users. <clears throat> that's up by 13 million additional users just quarter over quarter. In, in Q1 2020, 34 million. So 34 million to 56 million verified users. That's, that's yeah, that's amazing. Look at Monthly the Monthly transacting volume. users, trading volume, everything here is just off the charts. You tell our listeners what those numbers are, Joe. Yeah, so uh, monthly transacting users, this is just from the previous quarter to this quarter. So Q4 2020, monthly transacting users, I assume that means users who have made a trade in the past month, went from 2.8 million to 6.1 million. <laughs> Trading volume in billions of dollars went from 89 to 335. This, and, this is quarter over quarter, people. <laughs> yes. And assets on platform went from 90, yeah, 90 billion to 223 billion. Just I'm just gonna keep reading these off because they're, they're pretty amazing. <laughs> Net revenue goes from 497 million to uh, 1 billion 597 million. Uh, total revenue went from uh, 585 million to 1.8 billion. Uh, net income went from 177 million to 771 million. And uh, again, that that's a that's a reverse of quarter. itself. Yes, this is quarter over quarter. This is not year over year, folks. And then adjusted EBITDA went from 288 million to 1.117 billion. Wow. That's All right, so 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 more users, more transactions, more assets on the platform, lots more revenue. Tons of leverage, operating leverage here. The net income jump year over year, 32 million. My gosh. To 771 million. 
So there's not a lot of costs associated with each additional transaction on the part of Coinbase. Right. Is kind of the takeaway there. One of the things that I find really interesting is that the trading volume is over a hundred billion higher than the assets on the platform, which is to say that the people who are these, these monthly transacting users are like really, really active. They're making several trades a month. Yeah. I also wonder too, though, Joe, if that's telling us that other people are using Coinbase for the transactions, but they have vaults that are custodying the assets somewhere else. That I don't know. Rather than holding it at Coinbase, you've got the trading volume, but you've got a number of people who have their own vaults and they're shifting those coins off of Coinbase. They're just using it as their broker to trade. So either way, interesting. Yeah. All right. We'll keep going down here. So, oh my gosh. (laughs) Retail trading volume, or really both of them, but. Uh, Yeah, but I'm more interested in that institutional volume, Joe. Yeah. Because one of the big knocks on Coinbase has been, yeah, well, it's getting all of its revenue from, you know, transaction fees on retail investors. What happens here? That's not true. Well, it certainly seems like, right. Certainly seems like institutions becoming institutional is definitely becoming a bigger piece of the pie, at least by trading volume. Yeah, so it's, uh, for those of you who are listening, um, it, the institutional trading volume is about two-thirds of the overall trading volume. So that went from $57 billion in Q4 of 2020 to $215 billion in Q1 of 21. And retail trading volume went from 32 billion to 120 billion. Again, this is this is quarter over quarter. I just want to make that abundantly clear. Right. It looks like reading a little further here, it looks like 60% of all the volume was either Bitcoin or Ethereum. Remember, Coinbase does not trade Dogecoin yet. During <clears throat> I did read see some things on Twitter that would make me think that maybe they're considering it. I think the rumor was something like four to six weeks. I mean, Gemini, one of their big competitors that's not publicly traded yet is allowing Dogecoin. Um, what's interesting here, Joe, too, I mean, still we've got all this trading volume and I trade, well, I mean, selling is trading volume too, right? But this week we did have a pretty, pretty sharp sell-off across the board in Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dogecoin, you name it. When Elon Musk, the Doge father, uh, came out and said, you know what? I know we said a couple months ago, we're going to start allowing you to pay for Teslas with Bitcoin, but we're not going to do that anymore because you know we're afraid of how much, or we, we don't like how much energy is consumed in creating Bitcoin and validating transactions and all that jazz. So everything swooned. I mean, you had people just pressing the sell button left and right. These things were down 20, 30% in the span of a few hours. Then we did see, I mean, this is what you can't, is your conviction your own conviction or is it borrowed conviction, right? And, you know, so you got a whole bunch of people who sold and then sure enough, 
day or two later, you got him coming out again saying, oh, by the way, you know, we're working with Dogecoin developers to see if that could be a new transaction medium because it uses less energy. So it may just be that, you know, there's, this is the normal seesawing of it, but it will be interesting to see over time what happens with transaction volumes. You know, I mean, if, if, if people lose a lot of money and they get wiped out in crypto, obviously transaction volumes is going to fall, right? And, and with it, revenue and all that profitability we saw. Right. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if this, if this volume spike is sustainable looking, if we're, if we're looking at this at their Q4 report, I, I almost get the feeling that it's going to, it's going to look like a spike if we were to graph it out. But I mean, there are still, there are still experts across the, across the board saying that Bitcoin's going to get to six figures this summer, which obviously implies heavy volume. So I really, I don't know at this point, I'm just kind of saying it's hard telling, not knowing. Exactly. I mean, you can't, it's almost like this is a true price discovery trade, right? It's whatever the trend happens to be, but you just listeners, you know, I do a crypto experiment. I did not sell anything um, at all this week. Uh, on that news from Elon Musk. Okay, so just getting back here, I just want to have that little tangent there because you have to have to consider about consider what trading volumes may look like going forward, um, because that's how they make a lot of their money. Right. So and and look at the next chart, the next table they have there, assets on the platform. So that's 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 a huge jump in institutional assets on the platform. Yeah. Yeah, and my was, assumption that they revenue off of that though is less for institutions than retailers per user. So you, it's less valuable to the bottom line probably, but still institutional dollars are more sticky than retail dollars historically for brokerages. So it's good to see that. Yeah. And then the next part of this chart just breaks down the percentage of assets on the platform. So overwhelmingly Bitcoin, as you'd expect, 62%, but that's actually down from 70% in Q4 of 2020. Um, And then other crypto assets went from 13% in Q4 2020 to 21% in this quarter. It seems like it bounces around a lot. It does, yeah. 15, 18, 23, 13, 21. Yeah. For those of you Maybe listening. Maybe it has to do with you know, whenever they release a new coin or whether or not the stock cryptos are running or not or Bitcoin's running or not. Or- yeah, and there have been some there have been some crypto fads too. Um, like Ripple was one that mm-hmm. kind of came and went. Um, there's this other one, Cardano coin that I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's an, yep. it's an interesting one that uh, kind of, kind of comes comes and goes in a in a bit of a trend cycle and some other ones too bitcoin cash you could throw in there as well so we'll just keep cruising down this shareholder letter oh, so, so this is what i was talking their... about joe with that institutional accounting for because la- because of course you get to give a deal to the institutions relative to retail and now you're seeing that in the transaction revenue in that table you're seeing for net revenue yep so a lot more assets, but 
look at the lot less money being generated by them. Yeah, that's a huge discrepancy. But I, I think that like it's still you still can't overlook the importance of having institutions on there because in in my opinion, it it gives some more validity to the platform rather than just having a bunch of a, a bunch of you know meme lords trading dogecoin and you know posting posting about their memes on social on social media to actually have some some financial institutions on the platform trading holding and not leaving most importantly it it definitely it it makes it more legitimate in my and, and joe i've seen a, a number of different companies of uh, money managers are now saying hey I'm, I'm creating an lp or we're investigating setting up an lp you know version or for for crypto and so i my assumption is that we were going to see more of that not less of that yeah i agree and then but it's also interesting too i mean the transaction revenue again we talked about that being a big knock how reliant they are in the retail transaction volume. So I mean, think of their total revenue was what 1.8 or what was it? Uh, so yeah, 1.8 billion for the first quarter of which 1.45 billion of that was retail, right? Yeah. But then you say, okay, well, can they make money on other stuff? And my argument is probably yes, we're, we haven't even seen. Yeah. That. So they have this subscription and services revenue, which was only 56 million in the most recent quarter. But look where it was a year ago. Yeah, it was at seven seven point one million a year ago. So definitely, definitely seeing some pretty tremendous growth there. Even though it is, it's still a very small sliver. Yeah, small sliver of their overall revenue pie. All right, Todd, let me, I'm just going to keep scrolling through here. Stop me if something catches your eye. Yeah, just keep going. I think, I think operating expenses be interesting. Q1, 813 million transaction expenses were largest. Yeah, 49 million percent of revenue, but then, but they fell as well. No, they have 15%, 15% of revenue went to transaction expenses, which really isn't that much. No, it's not. Uh, 12% went to technology and development. Only 7% went to sales and marketing, which is interesting. 8% to general administrative. I love seeing general and administrative fall as a percentage of revenue. And that plummeted 20% in Q4 of 2020. And now it's 8%. Just as an aside with any company listeners, if sale, I don't care if sales and marketing stays constant or even increases alongside revenue because you know you're going to make you know you're, you're get out there and get the name out there to take advantage of the opportunity but the general administrative now you're talking about fixed expenses kind of you know it's the people who are doing the back office work within the organization right if you can grow that much at a much slower rate then you've got tons of operating profit margin uh, optionality right in my view so going from you know 33 percent of revenue to 8% of revenue. A lot of that obviously being driven by the huge jump in revenue. Uh, that's, to me, that's still pretty, pretty, pretty good sign. I like Todd, that. what's your take on, on this uh, technology and development, which I assume is their way of saying R&D, that expense is, is really going, 
going down quite a lot. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, I mean, you all have to do, you have to invest obviously in innovation, but the amount that you invest in innovation, I mean, this is, that's honestly, Joe, I, it's on a dollar terms amount. They look how much they spent. Yeah. So as a, million. so listeners, really, as a, as a raw number, it's going, it's, it's gone from 90 million in Q4 to 184 million in Q4. Q1. But when I see that going from 18% of net revenue down to 12%. It's perfect. I like it, Joe. You like it? I like it. it. This is why. It makes me a little nervous. But they doubled their spending on on innovation, you know, technology and development. They doubled it. So, I mean, at some point, as you're growing very rapidly like this, you're going to see that happen. You can, so they basically, Joe, is the best of both worlds, in my view. They're still plowing tons of money, way more than they were a year ago, 47 million to 184 million, into making the, the, the infrastructure better. But because revenue has grown so much more dramatically, it's such a smaller, it's a smaller percent. So I, 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 personally, I don't have a problem with it. Pretty impressive too that they only have 1,700 full-time employees. Yeah. Yep. For for a company at least of their market cap, that's that's pretty much unheard of yeah i i let's me, let me pull up um now just to see how do those numbers compare sure i'll to stop what people my share. Were looking for um and i'm just gonna i'm gonna just gonna go really quickly and look at seeking alpha um interesting enough on a gap they missed on both Wow. Not by a lot, kind of a rounding error on the top line, 1.8 billion versus they want, you know, it's wanted 20 million more than that. The gap EPS was 305 per share. They say that was a miss of 23 cents. That's just, I'm just reading this office of seeking alphas, assuming this is right. But um, so, yeah, I mean, expectations, Joe, were maybe we're just really, really ratcheted high because it was no mystery that, you know, cryptos were something that was hot that a lot of people were were um, excited to be taking part in. Yeah, I think for all intents and purposes, it's safe to say that they met those expectations. I mean, yeah, technically they were a couple million dollars off, but in in the grand scheme of things, i i was I was pretty impressed with with that with that report and. Certainly, I mean, obviously, I have Coinbase on a watch list, but it's it's gonna go it's gonna go on a on a close watch list starting starting next week. So it'll be interesting to see what it does. Well, I so, think Joe, this this might be a this might be a good time to swap to the smattering and me talk about my buys and sells because I added to my Coinbase position um, this week and like a dope complete rookie mistake. Oh my God. How long have I been at this? I didn't realize when I bought on that they were reporting. Oh, <laughs> so added, that I is a rookie right mistake. In front of the report, which is just such a dumb move. Didn't I just publish the short too? why not to buy a stock before earnings? Right. Come on, Todd. I mean, complete rookie <laughs> mistake. So it just goes to show you that we all make them listeners and uh, it's okay. So why don't I pull up my screen? And um, like I said, I had already had a position in it. So I really just was averaging down on it. And you can see 
that we're down about 3% today. Um, we had that you know, crazy launch. We talked about that. We talked about it holding the 250 reference price um, last week, rallying back up and then trading down and then almost touching that 250 reference again. So that's why I, I added a little bit more there. Um, typically speaking, IPOs usually undercut, I think 80% within the first nine months of trading. So you can be patient when it comes to IPOs. Um, you know, another one that I completely bumbled and I added to this week was Bumble. <laughs> BMBL. Um, you know, you see how, you know, you traded down from the IPO launch. You broke that support. I was hoping it would hold it. And then you just nosedived. You're up 4% today. So my buy yesterday on that big steep drop, working out a little bit for me today, but I'm still underwater on that. And with IPOs, again, you can be patient. Um, and these are all for me, again, as a reminder, if you're a new listener, these are all very small. I, I own a lot of stocks. So, you know, these are all 1% or less positions right now that I'm Todd, talking how many, about. How many stocks do you own these days, approximately? Is it still uh, over 100? Yeah. Yeah. 100, 100 and, well, it's 128. I know, <laughs> I know. Stupid amount. And then I, um, I cut back a bunch. Uh, and then I've started again on the weakness this week. I started to pick up some stuff on sale. 